Hey, welcome back to Christo.art. In this episode, I'm going to go a little bit off script, meaning we're not only going to be looking at somebody's art, in this case, something by the great contemporary sculptor Richard Hunt. That is excellent. We're also going to be looking at my art. Ta-da! Oh boy. Oh boy. In this case, a couple of photographs I took of Richard Hunt's work. And I'm not going to talk so much about looking at the sculpture or even at the photographs. Really? You'll be able to see them on the website. Hmm. Instead, I'm going to let you in on what happened the night Richard Hunt's work became a part of who I am as an artist. And in the process, I'm going to introduce you to one of the ways your own muse might tend to show up and lob you a softball. Just beware, it might be a 16-incher, which as anyone from Chicago would know, is not as easy to hit as you might think. I was walking home from my office one very mild October evening, and just as I was passing the northeast corner of Jonquil Park, it began raining like holy hell. Now, unlike Owen Wilson's character in the Woody Allen movie, Midnight in Paris, it's a film that just tickles my love for Paris and all things Hemingway. I'm not a guy who likes walking in the rain, especially without an umbrella. But there I was. And as much as I like, and maybe even love, Chicago, well, I lived there for 30 years, Chicago is not Paris. Ooh la la. But that night, in a strangely amazing parallel to midnight in Paris, something magical was about to happen. As I said, the weather was pretty mild, at least temperature-wise. Indian summers, you know. But this was no summer shower. This was a full-blown, wild and crazy thunderstorm. Real Sturm und Drang stuff. Lots and lots of thunder and lightning. And I gotta tell you, those lightning bolts, they were not only all over the place, they were coming on practically non-stop. So despite all that rain and the obvious danger, I stopped to watch. I just somehow knew that this was a show I shouldn't ignore. Of course, I didn't know intellectually why I felt that way. But that's because it was my intuition telling me to stop and watch. Even though, at the time, I had no clue that I even had such a thing as intuition. I also didn't know that this was a moment of pure keros. No, 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 not chaos. Keros. K-A-I-R-O-S. Huh? 
Well, I'm with you on that because one reason I didn't know was because I never heard of the thing. To put it as simply as I can, Kairos is the sudden confluence of right place, right time, right circumstance, and the right person. Who's that? Who, by the way, had better take the right action or else. Also, it's one of those things that can never be predicted. What it amounts to is a moment that's perfectly ripe for your creativity. And it's something that your intuition is always on the lookout for. Now, as I said at the time, I didn't know any of this. My intuition did. And that's why I stopped. So there's this one thing you should know about Kairos. What's that? It's that you can't miss it. And that's because every single one of us has intuition. And there will always be moments that are perfectly ripe for our creativity. You just have to cultivate that creativity. Otherwise, those moments of Kairos, they're going to be few and far between. Which is bad enough. But worse, even, is that if you don't take the plunge and act on it, it'll turn on you. And become something you will never, ever forget. But will always, always, and always regret. Oh no. Oh no. Believe me, I know. Because I've flubbed it way too many times. Oh crap. But this wasn't one of them. Hooray! And I've got the photographs to prove it. Oh, very nice. I'm not even going to try and describe them to you. You can see them on the website, and I really do hope that you take a look. Because once you see them, I think you'll understand Kairos a whole lot better. Roger that. But it's okay if you don't, or if you can't see them. I'm going to describe the moment in a little more detail, and that should give you the picture. As I said, it always involves a right place. So let me tell you a little bit about that right place, that particular right place. This corner I was walking by, it's just another one of those typically Chicago intersections of three roads. But since there's a large park right there, a wide open space without buildings or tall trees, it made for a great unobstructed view of that dramatic Sturm und Hang sky. And this corner has another decisive feature. Richard Hunt's sculptural homage to John Peter Altgeld. Now, Altgeld, in a somewhat cliched Chicago context, well, he was one Illinois governor who didn't end up behind bars. And get this, the guy was actually voted out of office for his integrity? Yeah. These days, he may not be so famous, but there's even another public sculpture dedicated to him less than a mile away in Lincoln Park. That one's a figurative work done by a guy named Gutzon Boglum. What? Who just happens to be the guy who designed the faces on Mount Rushmore. This memorial in Junkwell Park was done in Richard Hunt's more abstract signature style and consists of three bronze columns surmounted by representations of eagles. 
Richard Hunt happens to be an extraordinary modern sculptor. Oh, yeah. Whose work I was very familiar with from an exhibition at Chicago's Terra Museum. It was an exhibition that took place just a couple of months earlier, in fact, in the summer that same year, 1992. But I had also spent a good amount of daylight time pondering these eagles on the corner, since I passed them pretty often. And, funny enough, his atelier, his studio, just happens to be right across the street from that park. Now, something else I didn't know at the time was the fact that corners like this, the meeting of three roads, are considered sacred to the goddess Hecate. And you can read about her in all sorts of places, but what I understand best from my own reading, especially that of Carl Jung, is that she is and always was a conceptual representation of intuition. Make of that what you will. I just appreciate the synchronicity of it. So, now that you know about the place, let me tell you why I was the right person to be on that corner at that time and in that wet, wild, and stormy circumstance. First of all, this is a time in my life when I never went anywhere without at least one and sometimes two cameras. And fortunately, that night, I was carrying a third one. My plastic arrow camera. The arrow was a super cheapo copy of the famous cheapo Diana camera that was actually a toy camera with a really quirky plastic lens. And this was something that Robert Clark Davis had introduced us to in the photo class I was taking at the time. The Diana had been in vogue with fine art photographers for some time, but they were no longer being made. And so originals were not only rare and expensive, just finding one was considered a real coup. Ooh! But Clark hooked us all up with an arrow, which was essentially the very same thing. And it cost less than five bucks. It was a hoot to use. But unfortunately, the shutter spring on mine gave up the ghost after way too few rolls of film. Something like six or seven. But even more unfortunately... The Chinese company that made and sold them, well, they just abruptly stopped selling them right around the time my shutter spring blew. Damn! So there was no way to replace it. And that left me with a toy camera that was pretty much useless. Except in two very particular situations. One of those situations was meant for the near future, because I had decided to turn it into a pinhole camera. The shutter could be held open by hand or by tape and closed whenever I figured I'd waited long enough for a decent exposure. And boy, oh boy, ooh, that waiting, did that ever get me into trouble? But that's another cool image and a story for another episode. So this other ideal situation from my poor, overworked arrow, well, that was unfolding right then and there. It was staring me right in the face. First of all, there was no way I was going to use either one of my main cameras in the pouring rain. Cameras and water just don't mix. Roger that. But I knew for sure that rain couldn't hurt my plastic camera in the least. And second, and more importantly, I wouldn't have to worry about camera shade causing a typically useless blurry image. 
holding the shutter open in the near pitch dark of the night that would produce no image until one of those bolts of lightning would enter the frame. Kind of like a giant flash attachment made by Mother Nature. And so there I was, in the right place, at the right time, with the perfect tool. All that was left to do was to yank out my arrow and take the right action. Now, what's so special about that right action isn't the photographs that came out of it, even though they're awesome and pretty much self-explanatory. And I have to admit, I'm really proud of them. But the thing that's so much more important was the feeling I had. Because that's what Karos is all about. The feeling you get when you're taking the right action. So the object that resulted from taking the right action, in this case, photographs, well, they're wonderful. But they're really just artifacts. Souvenirs of the moment. Yeah, they're genuine art. But the important thing is what taking the right action does to you as an artist and as a person. And that can only be found in the feeling you get in the moment while you're doing it. And now, looking back on that unforgettable moment, this thing that I now know is Keros, the feeling it gives you, well, that tells you it's not only real magic, but that the magic is transforming you. That kind of transformative magic is a gift whose appearance you can't predict, you can't set it up or arrange it in advance, and you sure as hell can't buy it. It's something you can only prepare yourself to be ready for. The one thing you don't ever have to worry about is recognizing it. Because you can't ever miss it. And there's the rub. Because you've got to accept it, which means you've got to act decisively. And if you don't, it's going to bum the hell out of you for a long, long time. The career of the great street photographer Henri Cartier-Bresson is associated with that very term, the decisive moment. He actually once said, you must see an expression that life itself offers you, and you must know with intuition when to click the camera. Knowingly or not, he was really talking about Keros. But Keros doesn't just apply to photography or even the arts. And you can't see what Keros actually feels like. You can only feel it for yourself. But I think you all know what I'm talking about. So that moment I'm talking about here, it happened to me in 1992. But it was only about 10 years ago when I tried to put that feeling into words. Here's what I came up with. So I'm going to quote myself. I can't even describe to you how excited I was to be standing there in the rain and catching lightning on the film. It was here. It was there. It was left. It was right. But I was catching it. I just stood there with my heart pounding and tried to calmly frame my shots, focusing on those sculptures I respected and knew so nearly intimately. I just had to wait for the lightning 
like some fantastic, sublime strobe light to do the rest. And when I finally ran out of film, I was so excited and happy, I was shaking inside. I just knew that some of those negatives were going to turn out to be as exciting as that night and show me something that would have actually just happened to me. Now, I suppose the concept of a peak experience makes sense in this context, but all I knew was that I felt more alive than ever. So that's where I left the writing of it back in 2009, and now I realize that Kairos is the magical moment when all of your hard work and preparation actually transforms what you're working on into art and turns you into an artist. In other words, it's the very thing that's necessary to turn your life into a work of art. So there are more of those moments that I want to share with you along with the images that came out of them, some of my best work. And that'll happen in future episodes. In the meantime, I'll keep on visiting museums and galleries and talking about other people's work. And I hope you'll be doing the same. Your own muse will thrive on it. Thanks for listening. If you dig the show, please share it. And if you got any comments or questions, just drop me a line. You can find transcripts, links, and images in the show notes all at Christo.art. K-R-I-S-T-O dot A-R-T. Alrighty then. Ciao a tutti. <laughs>